Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. We are blessed today to have a guest who's going to come and talk to us about a really important ministry. And um, Wayne Davis, if you wouldn't mind coming up, I want to introduce him. He is involved in the Gideon ministry. But while you're here, I just want to share a quick story about how the Gideons, um, has how they blessed me. So um, when I, when my first husband, um, he had colon cancer and he passed away. And um, we were pastoring at the time in South Texas. And because he was only 33, uh, there were a lot of people who who felt um, compelled to be at the funeral and to give flowers at the funeral. And we had flowers that went from, and plants, that went all along the whole entire front of, of our sanctuary where we were pastoring at the time. And, you know, the florist in our local town, she called me and she said, I have, I'm out of plants she said, if you want store credit, you can come in and pick out something other than a plant if you would like, because so many people were just wanting to bless us and in that way, which is a cultural thing that we do. We give plants and flowers at funerals. Well, one of my most favorite things that I received through that wasn't from that flower shop, and it, and it was a gift from the Gideons. A friend, actually it was a family member, purchased five Gideon Bibles in my husband's name. And I knew that those Bibles were going to go out somewhere, be placed somewhere, whether it be in a hospital or in a, um, a hotel room or maybe just into the hands of somebody. And I thought, you know, when you're looking for a reason why, you've lost your loved one, you just think, you know, God, use this. Use this to minister to somebody. I prayed over those five Bibles, and I believe that those Bibles made a difference in somebody's life because God's Word does that, right? Right? And so I am thankful for the Gideon's ministry and how it ministered to my life, and I'm sure he can tell you how you can go about doing the same thing if you want to give a gift of a Bible to someone. Paul, here in the middle, raise your hand, Paul. He serves with the Gideons as well. And um, so if you ever want to give a gift of a Bible, a great way to do it is through the Gideons. I'm going to go off script based on what you just said. Um, Bill Wolbright's over there. He's a Gideon. And you know Paul, right? We were talking about how old we are. And uh, between the three of us, I think over 300 years old. And I'm 50, so that means let's see, 250, one of them's 125, one of them's 124. I don't know which one's which. Also, uh, you know, I lost my wife to cancer. She was 62. She taught at Shawnee Heights. And we were also, three of us were all widowers, too. And uh, your story just touched me. I volunteer at Stormont Bales Cancer Center. Uh, my wife passed away there. And uh, I was touched by the Gideons, too. I wasn't a Gideon at the time, but now I am. So thank you for your story. I appreciate it. I should have you stay up here and read the first, first line 
It's a woman. Fine, I'm going home. She should have done that. Uh, that's what a woman told her boyfriend, Alan. It started because Alan was going on a business trip and had a very important decision to make. Should he take his wife or his girlfriend? He decided to take his girlfriend, bad move. At the hotel, she unpacked while he sat down. He noticed a blue book sitting on a table and he picked it up. It was a Bible placed by the Gideons. What verses he read are unknown, but in minutes he was convicted of his sin. After the girlfriend put her things away, he looked at her and said, you know, we just, we just can't be here like this, this is wrong. So she said, fine, I'm going home. She packed up, called a taxi, and left. Alan had to stay for the meeting, and every spare moment he read his, the Bible. When he went home, he took the Bible with him. As soon as he got home, he ran to find a pastor of the church nearby. He asked the pastor to tell him about his Jesus that he had been reading about in the book. Today, he is, and his family are Christians, and he is also a Gideon. Uh, I've already uh, been introduced to Wayne Davis, and I've mentioned Paul and, and Bill Wolbright. The Gideons is an international association of born-again Christian business and professional men. Since 1898 or 99, our purpose has been to share the gospel throughout the world. Today, we are organized in 200 countries and publish scriptures in 93 languages. There's over 87,000 Gideons uh, in the U.S. As you probably all know, we place Bibles in designated areas of life, like hotels, motels, hospitals, and nursing homes. We also distribute New Testaments to students in schools, colleges, to prisoners, and to police, fire, and medical personnel, as well as men and women in the armed services. Tomorrow, we'll be at Holland Park High School at 2.30 uh, in the afternoon, distributing Bibles to Holland Park students. Uh, we also visit congregations to let you know how God is using the seeds that we are sowing. We are an extension of your church, the local church, and we work in partnership with believers like you all around the world. By God's grace, we placed and distributed over 93 million scriptures last year. And since 1908, we have placed more than 2.5 billion scriptures around the world. I'm going to read from the Isaiah 5511. It says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. This is the foundation that the Gideons place their work on. I'm, I'm going to read some words from a Mrs. Ora Price. Something just touched me. I had always gone to church all my life, and I had other Bibles at home. I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior through the Gideons distributing New, Testaments, New Testaments in Wakefield Junior High in Tucson, Arizona when I was in the seventh grade. The man that spoke had been in prison. His testimony touched me there, and I accepted Christ and signed the back of my Gideon Testament and wrote the date October 27, 1976. I still have that testament they gave me. It means new life to me. It also means new life. We've distributed Bibles, of course, in the United States, Canada, Mexico, Africa, Ethiopia, Russia, South America, Europe, Middle East, and Asia. The work of Gideon's extends way back 
uh, beyond the walls of this church. There is nothing more vital in the church than to be hand and feet of Christ, to take the word of God to the corners of the world. As individuals, it would be impossible to achieve the reach of uh, power of an organization like the Gideons can do. We are an extension of the local church. However, obviously, we need your help. First and foremost, we need your prayers, right? No ministry can ever exist in the world without being bathed in the power of prayer. Sorry, I might be going in and out here. We need your continued prayers. Secondly, obviously, we need your financial help, too, uh, to purchase uh, the New Testaments and the Bibles that we distribute. 100% of all the money given to the placement of testimony goes to purchase of these books. All the administrative costs of the ministry are underwritten by Gideon members like Paul and B Bill and I. Six dollars places a testament in a hotel now. Used to be a little less a few years ago. Five dollars buy, buys a memorial Bible in honor of someone special. That might have been what you were talking about. $1.80 buys a testament for a junior high student or high school student, college student, or military personnel. Please help us if you can uh, to help us place these Bibles throughout the world. There's a Gideon card program as well. You can also help purchase scriptures throughout the year by using the Gideon Memorial uh, Bible program. You can send a card in recognition of an important event in someone's life or to let someone know you are thinking of them. There's more information about those programs in the uh, bulletin. I should have brought one up with me to show you, but <coughs> there's also recently another way to get involved. They started a Friends of the Gideons program. Uh, if you want to get involved with the Gideons uh, without having to do all the things we do, you can join Friends of the Gideons. It allows you to purchase Bibles, get updates. Uh, it's a lot smaller cost than being a Gideon, but that just is another way. If you don't have time to go to distributions and all the other things we do, you can be a friend of the Gideons, and it allows you to purchase those little testaments that we hand out. Here's another little testimony I have. Christopher Ewan was raised in a home that didn't know Christ. It was a traditional family in every respect. However, Christopher had started with pornography and as a result began to realize he was attracted to the same sex. This devastated his mother and she gave the ultimatum, your family or your lifestyle. Well, Chris chose his lifestyle. He was then rejected and kicked out of his home. He fell deeper into the lifestyle with alcohol and drugs. His parents, through marriage problems, came to know Christ and prayed for Chris every day. They prayed that God would bring this prodigal son home. Those prayers were answered one morning with a bang on his door by a squad of police officers. It was a drug raid. Chris was arrested with an equivalent dollar amount of 9.1 million tons of marijuana. Can't imagine that. He was sent to jail and were waiting trial. When walking into the cell block one night, sitting on top of a trash can was a little Gideon Testament. Chris opened it and read it through the whole book of Mark that night. He realized that it was not just ink on those pages, but the very breath of God. The words cut through his hard heart, and he accepted Jesus that night. He thought the days could not get darker for him. 
In the next few weeks, he was told he was HIV positive and sentenced to six years in prison. While he was lying on a bunk in prison, he saw a verse written on a plywood, uh, on plywood above, his, above him. It was Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Those words started his real transformation. It was slow, but within a few months, he was delivered from the addictions of drug and alcohol. He then began to know his identity was in Christ and not his sexuality. He was also delivered from his sexual bondage. God was now calling him into ministry. During his prison term, he applied and was accepted to Moody Bible Institute and graduated in July 2001. In 2005, from Wheaton College with a master's, and is now a full-time teacher at Moody's in Chicago. That small testament placed there by a Gideon, Gideon was the turning point that God used uh, to transform his life. Uh, in closing, I'd like to thank Pastor Mike and um, for allowing us to come here and share a few minutes with you. Uh, thank you again for your attention. And uh, as I mentioned, all three of us are a little old. We're always looking for younger Gideons. Uh, a lot of social uh, groups are now getting older, and we, and we do need younger folks to help us out. So if you're interested in becoming a Gideon, uh, I can talk to you in the back after the service or whatever you'd like. So I really thank you, and I praise God for allowing me to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much, Wayne. We really appreciate you coming and sharing with us this morning. Thank you so much. Well, uh, this morning we're going to start a new series, and uh, you may jump with me into, well, you don't have to jump, but, you know, we can go over to uh, Galatians chapter 5 uh, together. And in this new series that we're starting, uh, we're going to talk about a couple things here. I don't know if you've been to one of these or not. Maybe you've went to a quick shop when you were hungry for something, you know, you're, you're hungry, you, you, you know, it's last minute, you, you need to get something in your belly for just a hair bed, and, and so you go over there, and uh, you, you walk in the store, and you're looking around to see what you can see, and, and you see, you look on the end cap, you know that place at the end of the aisle, at the end of the candy aisle, and you see this little bag, it's a little bag, it's clear, and you can see through it, and you can see those little orange slices, you know, you know, those little orange slices that are like a candy thing that look like they're manufactured, you know. And, and you say, well, you know, that may be something that, that I can eat. And so you get one of those bags and, and you take it to the cashier and you throw it on the, uh, uh, to the cashier. And they, they look at it, they scan it, they ring it up, ching, ching, and it goes $5.25. And you're like, okay, so uh, uh, I don't know about that. And then the cashier's like, well, look, right there, right, there's oranges in, in this pail here. If you want oranges, then they're only a dollar a piece, right? And so there you are, you have this dilemma, and you're, you're trying to balance. Okay, do I, do I get the cheap, uh, fake, manufactured orange slices just totally made out of sugar, and they have maybe a little bit of orange flavor in it? Or do I get a real orange, something that's natural and has flavor, and, 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 and do I do that? What, what do I do? Well, you know what? It's really, it's a no-brainer. At least it should be, right? Now, maybe when we were uh, six or eight, we would go for the sugar, you know, but but, you know, it's kind of a no-brainer at that point. 
that natural orange, you, you, you get that, that pulp, and you know it's lunchtime, so we've got to talk about food. And you, get, you, you bite into that orange, and you get the pulp and the juice, and it running down your chin. And maybe it even have seeds in it. It has seeds in there, and so you can spit those out in the trash. And, but, but it's natural. It's flavorful. It, it, it's something good, right? Or then you could have that candy that looks like a piece of plastic. I mean, you know, uh, you know, really, you know, as we start this series this morning, we're talking about being led by the Spirit and the fruit. Uh, we're looking at the fruit that comes along with this, and that's a key part of being led by the Spirit is having the fruit in our life. And just like there's a difference between those fake manufactured orange slices in a bag compared to that real juicy fruit that we can uh, uh, pull out and eat that that piece of or that orange, and, and, and we see there's a difference there between those. There is uh, with the natural fruit, the fruit of the spirit. It's a special thing that God does, does, and then in our lives, and then there's that kind of that manufactured works that we have, the works of the flesh. You know, th those are two different things. But this morning we want to open up and look here in the book of uh, Galatians chapter five. The Apostle Paul is writing here, and he writes to the church, and, and he says in verse 13 of chapter 5, he says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge, uh, to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And so... As we listen to this, and we're trying to understand what the Apostle Paul is talking about to us, and we realize who he's speaking to. He's speaking to the church in Galatia, but he's also speaking to us. So he's speaking to the local church, and, he, and he's in challenging them and encouraging them, and he's writing to the church there. In fact, he addresses them as you, my brothers and sisters. See, see in the church, we're, we're, more, uh, we're more than just simply acquaintances. It's got to be more than just acquaintances or friends. And when it comes to the body of Christ, we, could be, we, we become brothers and sisters. I know that some don't care for those terms of endearment, brothers or sisters. And some may say, hey, that's from the South or that's uh, antiquated. No, that's, that's from the Scripture. It comes uh, from the Word of God. And, and so it kind of helps us to understand this type of relationship that we should have. And I, I, I know that some don't care for that, but... We also know that siblings don't always see things eye to eye, right? Isn't that true? And so that's a reality. We've all probably walked through that in our lives, whether we were little kids or whether we were adults. And, and that just can be challenging at times. And so yet at the end of the day, after your squabble is over, you're still family, right? You're still family. And, you, and for us as followers of Jesus... When, uh, once the squabble is over, we're still spiritual family. We, we walk together in this. And Paul starts his paragraph off by saying, uh, we were called to be free. So God has done a special work in us, and, he, and he's freed us from our old sinful life. And so why in the world would you want to go back to the dungeon? Why would you go, want to go back to those chains and to the land of manufactured food, right? Like the little orange slices, right? The fake ones. But before Paul fully handles the fruit of the Spirit, he does remind us of a couple things there that we need to have in our minds. 
that we need to think out. First of all, don't live in the world of manufactured food, which I'm going to relate to the flesh. Uh, and uh, don't live there, but live by the, that supernatural food, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit. We, we need to allow the Spirit of God to work in our lives. And we see that in the passage in Galatians, we see that the chief uh, fruit of the Spirit was actually love. So that's the first one. That's, that's the key one. And that, thing, that, that attribute needs to be working in our lives. And yet, love is only one of the nine fruit of the Spirit, but it's a chief one. And we want to learn from and we want to apply this into our lives. So let's look at what the Bible goes on to say here in, uh, in Galatians chapter 5. Look at verse 22 with me. And it says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Well, wow, I mean, we could sit on that one for all day, right? And, and probably should, right? That's, maybe that's why we have a series coming down the road. So, and it's something that we probably need to allow uh, to work in our lives as followers of Jesus. Now, the Bible gives us a clear picture here of some of the attributes of a person who has the Spirit of God inside of them. And he lays out these nine fruit. It's interesting because he said in verse 23... He said the, these words that seemed like a no-brainer, but he, he's uh, kind of hammering it down here. And he says, against such things, there is no law. So in other words, we don't usually need rules for doing right, do we? We don't normally have to have the rules for doing right or doing good things in the, for the lives of other people. And, and we don't always have to have that. So there, there's, no, there's no laws according to the, for that. And when we let God work his fruit through our lives, it can transform the community around us, right? Well, it starts where? Where does it start? It starts in our own heart, right? It starts in our own heart, and then it starts working through our lives. And as it starts working through our lives as individuals, then it has an effect with others around us. And so we need to continue to allow the Holy Spirit to transform us in our hearts. And there's something else that you need to notice here when, he's looking, when you look at this passage. And it says, he says to let us keep uh, in step with the Spirit. And there's something you need to, to pay attention to. He says, let us keep step in the Spirit. This phrase, to keep in step, really points us to the idea of walking with God. Well, you know, we, we follow Christ. We want to follow Christ. That's important. And that's that's it. So I think that's really kind of the first step for us as followers of Jesus is learning to follow him because, uh, but because following him is obeying and obeying and, and walking and walking him with him is, is really kind of another level here. Uh, and you, you know, you, you, it's like this walking with the, in, with the spirit has this idea that uh, we live our daily life with him and we need to be able to stay in step with him. You know, have you walked down, maybe you've walked down the road, maybe it's a couple of you walking somewhere and maybe you're exercising or something and usually you walk side by side, right? You walk side by side going uh, to a place and you want to stay in step with each other, other and that's the way we need to be in step with our Heavenly Father 
So how does that work? Well, we may get this check or this sense in our heart that, that we're in, while we're in a conversation with a coworker that maybe we need to change our tone. Maybe we need to start being a little bit more friendly. Maybe the Lord puts something else in our hearts. We can, we are, are you keeping in step with the Spirit of God? It's something that we need to continue uh, to follow. Are you, are you keeping in step with Him? And when you walk with Him... You, you, can make a, you can make a great effect or have a great effect in this world that you're living in. I think sometimes because we see the world so big as it is that we think, well, what, what really does it matter? What, how am I really going to make a change? But the facts are uh, every little change that we make affects a lot of things around us. And when we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives and transform us, it's going to have an effect on the world around us. If we want a better world, then we need to be able to connect ourselves to the one who makes a better world. And some people say, well, the world is too messed up. Sure, it's messed up because all of sin and fell short of the glory of God. We know from the very beginning it's messed up. Why? Because mankind sinned. They, they, they messed up and they decided to go their own way. But God says, you know what? I have a path for you to walk and you don't need to walk in that old way. You can come and follow me and I have something good for you. So when you walk with him, you can make a great difference. So being led by the Holy Spirit doesn't only relate to the gifts of the Spirit. And sure, those are something that's important for us as well. But, but it also includes the fruit of the Spirit. And these attributes that come out of our lives can make an amazing impact on this world which is so bound. Now, there's a part of it that we didn't read, uh, uh, and you can read, read that for yourselves uh, if you'd like to after this today. But, but, but this part is, it's, it's not Matthew, it's, it's uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to 21 there. And, and he talks about the flesh. Now, the flesh produces works, what we see from that. And from the, it comes from the Greek word erga, which, uh, which implies hard work or hard labor, uh, uh, and but the Spirit Himself, the Holy Spirit, He produces fruit in our lives, the good stuff. The word fruit in in verse twenty two is from the Greek word karpos, and and which uh, describes the fruit of the fruit of plants, the fruit of trees, or the fruit of one's body, which is their offspring, their kids, right? And so this is where I'm, I'm relating the works of the flesh to something that's manufactured like the fake oranges, right? It's, kind of, it's just not that great, right? It's, in fact, it's not very good at all. It's, we, may, we may smile when we eat them, or kids may smile when they eat them because they know it's full of sugar. But uh, I know it's not a perfect example, but you need to realize something. Uh, sometimes our best work, our best labor can't come close to matching the work of God's fruit. It just can't touch what God can make. It, it can't really do justice. And so regardless of whether you're talking about a plant or a human, all fruit is produced from some kind of seed, so to speak. And so if there's, if there's no seed, there's no fruit. And the kind of uh, seed that is sown determines the fruit that's going to be produced. And so to get uh, to understand here what we're talking about, look with me over into the book of First Peter chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. Here's where Peter writes, and he kind of helps us understand this from a spiritual point of view. 
He says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. He's he's talking to believers, right? And then he says in verse 23, he says, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, not not of seed that's going to die, but of imperishable seed. Uh, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. You know, know, the flowers fall, right? The grass withers, right? For, For us, we know that as we get older, our skin changes, our, can't always hear as good as we used to, but can't see. Now i got to wear glasses, for goodness sake. And all these kind of things happen to, to us, and we may kind of fade away a little bit in some ways. And, uh, yeah, it just happens, right? But the fact is, is the word of the Lord is going to endure forever. Long after we're gone, it's going to endure and the, the moment you received Jesus as your Savior by faith, God sowed His Spirit and His Word into your heart like a seed, and you were spiritually born again by the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. See, God's seed inside of you immediately began to produce godly attributes or fruit. There's something. Now, you may not be perfect, right? I know when I came to faith, when I first came to faith, uh, there wasn't a lot of perfection about me. It wasn't a lot of growth about me. But there was something that happened in my heart, and it changed me and transformed me. And then God started working on me. And that's what happens in our lives when we allow the Lord to start working in our lives. And you should expect your life to yield the fruit of the Spirit for that For that's the seed that has been sown into your heart. It's a seed that God has put inside of you to produce something wonderful, something that's sweet. It may have seeds, may be seedless, I don't know. Uh, But but, but one way or the other, it's good. It's something healthy. So don't give way to the flesh. Instead, yield to the Holy Spirit and allow the seed that God has sown to produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life. He wants to produce that fruit, and and it's something he puts inside of us, right? It's not something that we just conjure up or work out on our own. Yeah, sure, there's there's one side of that where we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, yes, but but there's a part where the the Lord has put that inside of us. And being led by the Holy Spirit is when we let him guide our lives and welcome him uh, to cause his fruit to grow through us. When we when we step, when we uh, when we get in step with him, and we endeavor to stay in step with him, it's important that we get in step, and then we try to stay in step, right? Because if we can either get in front of him and go places maybe where we shouldn't be going, or we could we could lag behind him and not staying up with him and not accomplishing the things he wants to do in us or through us. So so we want to stay in step with him. It's kind of like this: if you if you plant a marigold seed. I used to love those things, but boy, they, they smell like ragweed. Uh, so, but but uh, you plant a marigold seed and you put it in a clay pot, right? You fertilize it, uh, you put water on it and all those kind of things, and then you have this beautiful flower. Well, first you get the plant and then you get the flower, right? It takes it's a, some stages there. Uh, and so you expect it to grow to marigold flowers, right? It's what you expect. 
And if the, if the flowers don't show up, what are you going to do? You're probably going to dig it up and pitch it, right, and plant something else there instead. But, but if the Spirit of God has been planted in your life by faith, then you would, you would expect godly fruit to grow. Sometimes people don't water it well, though. Sometimes they don't fertilize it very well either, right? So those, those kind of things uh, can happen. And, and so some people's fruit is healthier than others. And so we, we want to be the kind of people who water and fertilize this seed in our lives. And that's kind of what we're doing here, right? We're, we're here, we come together, we, we engage one another, we engage the Lord in worship and the word, and we allow his word to sink into our hearts, and we allow him to work in us. And so we're, we're there ready to water and to, and to uh, fertilize and so that we can grow in our, in our faith, so that we can walk with him more powerfully. But this morning we want to look at three different kinds of fruit here. And the first one, of course, is love, joy, and then peace. We're going to look at those today because those fruit are something powerful that the Lord puts in our lives. So the first one here is love. Now, there were at least four main words for love when the New Testament was written. Back in the day, it, that's in the Greek language at that, but, but these, these words were expressed in four different kinds of love in their day. And that's the way they said it then. And so let's take a gander at these, these different kinds of love. And they still relate to mankind today. It's just some were used in Scripture and some weren't. But the first one is eros, which is a Greek word for physical or sexual love. And it's where the word erotic comes from. But it's based on the works of the flesh so much that it's really never used in the Scripture in the New Testament. They didn't use it because of the nature of it. And then you have stergo, and that stergo is a picture of love between parents and children or love between family members, and it carries with it that, that devotion, right? You have a devotion of family and, and that that's there in a the family. The third one is phileo. A lot of people know that, right, because we think of uh, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, right? That's what everybody thinks of there. But phileo describes affection like the affection between two friends. So you got a couple good friends, and they have affection between them, and uh, it describes the attributes of friendship. But, but even this really isn't the highest form of love as we see in the New Testament, uh, then we have the uh, agape or agape in the Greek, and it's, it's the word in the New Testament uh, that portrays the love of God. It's a whole nother level, but it's a level that can be in our lives as well. So this love of God, it's a sacrificial love like that of John three sixteen, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have eternal life, right? It's, it, it's that kind of love that would give of his son. And really there are a few limits to how far this love will go to show care for another person. We see that because of what God did for us by sending his son for us so that we could have new life that we could have a relationship with God. So we see how important that is. So God loved without expectation of receiving love back. Think about that. Stop for just a moment and think about how you love people. Do you, is it a tit for tat? Is it, is, is it if, if I love you, you'll love me back? God didn't do it that way. God didn't give of his love like that. He gave his love uh, no matter what, because if you go on and you see what the scripture says, and we'll look there at Romans chapter 5 here in a second, but, 
uh, th this, uh, the agape love actually has been planted as a seed in the heart of a person who has received Jesus by faith. It's something that he puts inside of us. He puts that special thing inside of us. It's not simply religion, but it's a relationship where you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. It's a work of God that he's done. We, we accept him by faith and we're trusting him. And not only are we trusting him, but then he does this special thing as he, as he seals us with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's what the scripture teaches us. The Apostle Paul teaches us these. And, and that, that's important. It's God's work inside the heart of a man, a woman, or boy, or girl. It's the work that God does in us. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 tells us this. It says, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. He's speaking to believers there, right? And so what does it mean? But that when the Holy Spirit is in your life, the Lord gives us the ability to love with this same kind of love. It's the highest level of love there is. Yeah, we have to continue to be led by the Holy Spirit so he can work through our lives. It's staying in connection. It's staying in step with him, allowing him to work in us, right? Because, uh, you know, not, not every day is the same, is it? Some days aren't as easy as others, right? So yesterday, we were, Jody, Jody's helping me. I'm going to tell him myself. So, so we're, try, we're trying to put this cover on, a, on our boat because it's, it's getting fall, right? And I'm just getting frustrated because it wasn't fitting right and all that. It's like, man, I, I need the Lord to help me, right? I need to stay in step because p, uh, patience was not mine very much yesterday when I was doing that. I need to allow the Lord to help me. We have to allow the Lord to step in when, we're, when the, our patience is on the end or when maybe something else is happening in our life. We have to be able to step back just a hair bit and we have to allow the Holy Spirit to come into our situation and help us. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us and he will quicken us, amen? He's there in us. So how does the love of God work through our lives? We, how, how does he do this? We need to stay in step with him, but how does he do this? Uh, uh, how does our love grow for others and for God? In some ways, we, we become aware of what God says about people, right? We, that's why we read the word of God. We allow the scripture to speak to us. But we can't forget that what, what the scripture says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, such an important verse that th you've probably heard me say it many times and always will, but it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You would think that God would have said, you know what, I, I, I only gave my son for you because you guys are pretty good guys. You're good old boys. You were, you, 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 you were, you were awesome, and, and, but that's not what he says. He said, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, we were, we were outside of the bounds of God. We had walked to do our own thing, and we chose to do our uh, own thing. But God says, you know what? I died for you then. It's an intense kind of sacrificial love. If God loves in like this, why shouldn't we? It should challenge us because he's our heavenly father. This needs to cause us to look at people from a different light because sometimes we look at others from a culture point of view. Sometimes we look at others from a political point of view. 
Uh, but honestly, we're called to look at people from love's point of view and who is love. But the scripture says that God is love. That, that's 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. That's what the apostle John, the one who was with Jesus in the beginning, right? He was spending time with him, and, and, and he said, God is love. Then we grow aware of how God would have us to respond to other people, right? We need to stay in step with the Spirit of God. We need to stay in step with Him. It's going to cause us to allow the Holy Spirit to give us that check in our spirit. And you may say, well, what does that mean? Well, you can look at it a few different ways. We get the, get the sense that maybe we need to say or do something for a person that we're engaging with, or, or uh, maybe we shouldn't say anything, right? Uh, and maybe the Lord is helping us with that. We need to learn to live this out in our walk with the Lord on a regular basis. Uh, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives, and we, now, uh, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to produce fruit in us. I'm going to give you kind of a quirky example of myself, but uh, that's, that's the problem about being a speaker. You take those chances when you're up here. But I remember when I was uh, uh, really getting to get closer to the Lord my, as I was following him, and many years ago, I was, I was driving down a dirt road, and I, had, I was trying to get to a place. And, and so I had really had two options. I could drive this way, and, or I could drive this way. It didn't matter. You're going to go and get, get to the same place, and not going to take much time difference either one. And, and I, I distinctly remember uh, that the, the Lord gave me a sense to turn left at this intersection, and, and uh, unfortunately, I didn't. And I just I didn't follow through, and I kept going. And, uh, and it was the Lord was kind of teaching me to follow him and to walk with him. And I had some things in front of me I had to deal with. And so about 100 yards down that road, then I hit a rocket, cut the tire, ruined the tire, and there I was. <laughs> oh, to go back and to make the turn, right? And I, I know it's, it's kind, of a simple, kind of a simple way that the Lord was teaching me to follow him and to walk with him. And, but because sometimes he can guide us in such a way to help us to make an impact on a person's life. You know, what, what's a tire, you know, that doesn't really matter. But, but what really does matter is engaging and helping others in the world that we live in and simply changing how we respond and letting the Holy Spirit guide us by living out the fruit of the Spirit. We need that, we need that fruit working in our lives. See, being willing to show love to a person who is hurting and desperately need God's, God's love and their care and their hearts. And, you know, we don't always know what people walk through because what they show on their face, face and what they're dealing with in their heart or in their mind could be two entirely different things. But God cares for every individual. And, you know, this, this isn't just something for preachers or pastors this is for every believer, every follower of Jesus, because we need to be aware of what God is doing in our world. And we may need to be attuned in what he wants us to do and how he wants us to live and engage other people around us. So love, it's this first fruit and the attribute stemming from the Holy Spirit inside of us. And the second fruit here is joy. So we have that love, we have joy now. And one of the ways the Holy Spirit helps us uh, in tough and sometimes unbearable situations 
is to give us supernatural joy. You know, we, we talk about Philippians, you know, the, the epistle of joy as well. Paul writes that uh, to, to some of the God's people there. But the Greek word for joy is, uh, is kara, and it comes from the word, uh, or it's uh, charis, comes from the word charis, which is Greek for grace. And so that, that word for joy comes from grace. That's where it comes out of. And so this tells us that joy isn't a human-based happiness which comes and goes. Isn't that what happiness is, right? Happiness is kind of where living on our, you know, just uh, living everyday life. And we're either happy or we're not because of the situation we're in. But joy is a different thing that God gives. It comes from the grace that he provides us. And we all need that, right? We need that grace. We need that grace working in our lives especially in hard times, right? So we even find in the Old Testament where people usually mistakenly miss God's revelation of grace in the Old Testament. I love to say that because he's actually grace-filled in the Old Testament. We just don't notice it because of the way he's having to handle things. But it's a powerful statement that he gives to his people Israel in a time of worry and fret. And it comes, out of, it comes from Nehemiah chapter 8 and it's verse 10. And it goes like this. It says, Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some of those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Uh, do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So you have to say, okay, so that's, that's nice, it's a great, it's a great, uh, it's a great uh, phrase, it's a great uh, uh, this sentence, and that may be something you put on a sticky note and put on your uh, mirror or something like that, and, and sure it is, but there's something happening. You say, well, what, what, was the, what was the setting there? Why were these people so concerned? Some of their leaders read from the Bible. They'd been reading from the Bible, and they hadn't read it for a long time. And they started hearing from the scripture and it started convicting their hearts and they started realizing how messed up their world had become. And then it took, it took them to the place where they realized how messed up they were as individuals. And so then they're like, oh God, how in the world would you have anything to do with us? And probably at that point, they're probably thinking, oh, we, we just need to get on our face before God. And in some ways they did. But, but then Nehemiah says, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah had to encourage them, reminding them in tough and unbearable times saying, do not grieve. Where does joy come from? Where does it come from? It, it comes from God's grace, even in trying times. It's from His grace. And I'm sure that you've walked through some trying times in your lives. So now every, everything may be peachy keen, but, but, may, but, may, but maybe it's not. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Allow the joy of the Lord to work in your life. For some, you may think, yeah, that's, uh, that's Old Testament, though. That's before God's grace through Jesus Christ. Sure, it is. But we also find, and it's still the word of God to his people, and we also find in the New Testament those times when God gave his people joy in the middle of some difficult trials. And uh, you know we could talk about the Apostle Paul and Silas when they're, they're in jail. They've been beat up, beat to a pulp, and they're there in the prison 
hanging out because that's the only option they have. And they're singing and they're worshiping to God and they're, they're delivered. You know, we could talk about that. But that's not, that's not the only thing we could, we could consider at this point. And they, were, they had joy in their hearts and God did a great thing in the middle of their, term, in their turmoil. But we could also look back in another time over in, in Acts chapter 17 and 18 and such. Paul had been placed on a prison ship to be sent uh, uh, for his appeal to Caesar. So he's on the way to Rome, man. He, that's where he's supposed to be going. He's, 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 uh, he's in chains. He's there stuck and he's w- there with a load of prisoners. Guards are around them. The weather starts getting bad. Starts getting so bad that the that the uh, the guards start saying, "You know what? There's we're, we may not make it through this, so we'll, let's just wipe the prisoners out. Let's just kill them all. We'll be done with them, so that we won't we won't uh, have to pay for the for, for losing them, right? Because they would have lost their life. That was that's the way it was in Rome, and so uh, the the storm is so bad. But then finally, Paul helps him to. To say, hey, no, 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 we'll, we'll be okay, so we're not going to run away from you. So the, the storm is so bad, it destroys the ship by beating it up against the rocks. They, they barely make it to shore. And so they get there, right? And so they're cold, they're wet. Uh, they didn't have any donuts like you guys did this morning. They'd thrown everything out, you know, and so here, here they are, they're in this situation, and so the locals meet them, uh, and they're like kind, and they're like, hey guys, come over here, and we'll light a fire. They light a fire, and the next thing you know, I guess uh, one of the snakes, uh, he's one of those snakes that you know, it's three steps and you're dead, right? So he's a viper, and, and, and evidently he didn't like the fire, and there's the Apostle Paul, and the viper comes out and bites Paul on the hand, and they're like, whoa, this this guy, he's, he's going to die. He must have killed somebody. Well, yeah, he had. But God forgave him. And what happens there, they, he drops a snake off and he doesn't die. Now, I don't know about you, but I know I've lived in parts of the world where when, they, when you get bit by a snake like that, some of the snakes, they, they'll, some of them it is three seconds and you're gone. It's just, it's horrible. So here he is in this situation, been through all of this. And in the end, the Lord uses that to open up the door for the Apostle Paul to pray for the leader of their community. And that guy was healed and restored. And so God was doing some things. In the end, after all the pain and even during the pain, God was giving them grace and this fruit of joy in difficult and painful situations. The Holy Spirit can give us a supernatural fruit of peace. It peace can arrive to help us keep stability when everything is coming unclued, uh, being a rock in the storm. So love is first, then joy. We have this in the a second, and then the third fruit is this. It's peace here. And so the word peace in Greek, uh, the Greek word is arene. And so, in fact, it's, it's the equivalent to, uh, for the Hebrew word shalom, and it it re- expresses the idea of wholeness and completeness or tranquility in the soul that is unaffected by outward circumstances or pressures. And that, that word shalom also indicates that this dominating peace ultimately gives rise to prosperity in a person's soul. 
But instead of allowing the difficulties and the pressures of life to break him or her, a person who is possessed by a reine is whole, stable, poised for blessing. We need to be ready. We need to stay ready. And we need to allow the Lord to help us to obtain that joy and that peace that he has for us. And the facts are he's put that inside of us. He's put it there. We just need to make sure that we stay in step with him and allow him to work that out in our lives. And, and if you allow the Holy Spirit to work in you, he'll release a supernatural joy and a, and a dominating peace from deep inside of you too. And these fruits of the Spirit have, have the power to keep you full of joy, calm, and stable, even though you may be facing circumstances that would normally push you over to the edge. It's trusting Him. It's allowing Him to work. But you have to say, well, how, how can this happen in my life? Uh, uh, it's when we learn to stay in step with the Spirit. And the thing is, because we're human beings, right? And because we still uh, uh, battle that old nature that will try to stick its head up, and we don't have to allow it to, but it'll try to stick its head up, and we have to make sure that we stay in step with the Holy Spirit. So uh, you may be doing well, and all of a sudden it hits you, right? Things come every different direction, and you've got to say, okay, hold on just a second. I need to step back and put my trust in the one I know who made me and, made and is going to put things together in my life. We have to trust him, right? We have to stay in step with him because storms will come in life. They just will. Yet, yet each and every one of us that need to learn to allow the Holy Spirit to have place in our lives daily. It's a daily thing. And look at what the Apostle Paul said to the local church. And this is the group of believers at Thessalonica, another town, another local church here. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, it says this. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the, in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. So their, their lives became a model to other people, right? Because God was doing something in them, and, and we want God to do something in us, right? Right? Yes, we want God to do something in our lives. And that means we have to stay open to him and allow him on a daily basis. Let him work in us because he wants to work in us. This, you know, for these guys in Thessalonica, it means that not only did their lives affect each other in their city for good, but the grace of God worked in them and made them a model for their counties and their communities which surrounded them. We live in challenging times right now. Look at the things our community has been through in the city of Topeka in the last, what, month or so even. Some serious things happening to our young people. But you know what? Here we are as people, as God's people, and he's called us to be a voice in our community. He's called us not only to be a voice, but, but uh, a people who love and who help and who encourage and try to guide people to faith in Christ, to guide people to what God has for them. You know, my prayer is that God will do the same thing through each and every one of you, that God will work in you 
He will work in you. He'll work in you, each and every one of us, and that our lives will actually have an effect on our communities. It's time for us to flip this. It's time for us to not be so worried about all the things that are happening around us in the sense that it, it kind of envelops us and causes us to fret and to worry. It should turn us to the point of saying we have a responsibility. We have a job to do to have an impact in our community. We're the ones that God has called to do something, whether it's in your school, whether it's at your job, what, no matter what your situation, whether you're on a, 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 among a, a, a group of people in a club or something, God has called us for such a time as this. He has called you as an individual. And some of you are probably sitting there looking at me and say, Pastor, you're crazy. God didn't call me to do much of anything. He has called you. 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 It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what's your background. It doesn't matter what's your name. It doesn't matter who your mom or your dad was or isn't. It doesn't matter. That stuff does not matter. What matters is Jesus came to give his life for you on the cross. And because of that, he has something for you to do. And he has something for you to share with the world around you. And he wants this fruit working through you because he loves you and he wants you to be like him. He has a plan for you. You have a purpose. God has a purpose for you. And you guys are hope givers. You say, I don't know how I can give hope to anybody. You can give hope because God has given hope to you. And you say, I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. Don't you give up and you stick in there and you keep trusting him because he is going to bring hope together for you in your life. Just keep focusing on him and not all the other junk around you because the junk will come, won't it? The junk will always be there, and if it doesn't come in one fashion, it'll come in another. So you need to put your faith and your trust in the one who made you. He has a plan for your life. Don't give up. Don't give up, no matter what you face. Continue to give him space. Give him space daily in your walk with Christ. Give him space. We all need to be able to give the Lord space. We all need to give him a place. In other words, when we sit to the table, we better have a chair right beside us for him to sit there too, so to speak. Well, we give him space. Lord, come into my life and work in my life. Not, not tomorrow, not yesterday, but today. Now, at this point in my life, work in my life. We need to allow the Holy Spirit space in our walk with him. Look at what Jesus told his disciples uh, and his word for us for who, uh, who believe today. In John chapter 16, verse 33, it says this. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. See, we start from a place of victory we start from a place of hope. So many people in this day that we live in, they are not looking from that form or fashion. They are looking from a different perspective. They are looking from the situation that we're in. But we as followers of Jesus not, must not look from the situation that we're in, but we must look from the situation that God has for us because he says, I have overcome the world. If he said he's overcome, it's a done deal. As we wrap this up, not only do we need to give the Holy Spirit space in our lives, 
but we need to give him our whole self. And until we give him our whole self, until we lay all of ourself to, in, in his hands, in our, in his, uh, before him on the altar, we're, we're going to miss out on what God has for us. Until we give him our, old, our whole self, our daily discipline of giving him space daily won't have as much power. It starts by saying in your heart, Jesus, here I am like I am. You see me how I am, but I need you. I need you to save my life and restore me. I believe you died for my sin and you rose from the dead. I, I receive you and what you have done for me. Amen. But for those who are, if, if you haven't said that prayer, say it in your heart. Say it before the Lord, however you word that, and ask God to work in your life. But say, here I am just like I am. You see me all messed up, all twisted, all whatever. I, I, I need you and I need you working in my life. We need to make sure that we keep our hearts open to what God has for us. You say, yeah, but I followed Jesus for some time now. I challenge you to grow and to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. Learn to walk with Him. Following Christ is obeying His commands, but walking with Jesus is learning to listen to His voice and giving Him place to work out the fruit of the Spirit in your life. I want to pray for you this morning. If you'll bow with me this morning, I want to pray. I don't know where you're at in this this morning. Maybe you say, you know what, I, I need some fruit in my life. I need to allow the Holy Spirit to work through me. And you say, that's me this morning. You lift your hand up and say, you know what, I, I need this fruit of the Spirit working in me. I need God working in my life. And I see your hands. See, I, I want God to work in me more than he ever has. If you want him to work in you more than he ever has, yield yourself to him and allow him. Give him space. Give him space. And lay your life down before him and say, God, here I am like I am. I need what you have. I need you. Father, I pray for each person here in this place. Father, I pray for those online, Father, that you would just help each and every one of us because we need you, Father. We need your presence. We need your grace. We need your strength. We need your wisdom. Father, we, we need your fruit, the fruit of your spirit, love and joy and peace. We need them working into our lives, Lord. May you work them through us, Father God. We give you place in our lives, Lord. We offer you place in our lives that you may do in us what you want to do. Father, we thank you. And Lord, this morning we offer ourselves to you. May you do in us, Lord, what you want to do. May you work through us, Lord, in the way you desire, Father. Father, whether it's at our job or at school, whether it's in the marketplace, Father, may you work through us. We yield our lives to you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And let's be grateful to what God has done in our lives. Amen.